Welcome to the Conquering Misdirection Podcast, where we sit down and have a conversation with the blind. As a visually impaired person myself, I look forward to listening to the different stories and experiences from the visually impaired and blind community. Through each episode, I hope that this podcast can unveil some of the realities of living with a disability and hopefully change the perception that comes with being blind and visually impaired. All right, so this is my first episode, and my name is Jesse Fung. I'm a visually impaired student who recently graduated from Plano East High School. And today we have a guest, and her name is Lei. Lei, can you explain more about who you are and where you're going to college? Yeah, so my name is Lei Gav, and I'm going to UNT. I also recently graduated from Plano East Senior High, and I am also a visually impaired student. Awesome. So for some icebreakers, I guess, uh, since it's such a new thing for me to do, like this podcasting thing, what are some of your hobbies? Um, though I'm visually impaired, it's really weird. I enjoy drawing and art, and recently I've been trying to get back into sign language. Awesome. That sounds great. Like me personally, I also love drawing. Uh, I'm not sure, but if you follow my Snapchat, uh, one of my stories that I think I posted yesterday. So today we're recording on a Saturday. So there was a story that I posted was like a, I painted a flower uh, because of a blind program that I attended. And I feel like drawing and painting, that's like one of the things that I find really weird with I guess blind and visually impaired people because we still do art and that's the interesting thing, right? Yeah, totally. I agree. <laughs> and I did actually see your painting. It was really cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, this is like a really weird question. Have you traveled anywhere like in the past few years? Obviously not right now. but like... <laughs> um, Yeah, so recently, I think last summer, I went on an art trip to Europe. It was really cool. The architecture was so pretty. Um, France was kind of weird just because I don't speak French, so it was a lot harder to navigate. Otherwise, it was a really fun time. Um, Me and my friends experienced like a lot of things together that I feel like we wouldn't have unless we traveled. So I learned a lot of new things about them that I don't think I ever would have. Awesome. Uh, so was it in France? Um, it was in France, England, and Barcelona. Oh, you know, like I'm jealous because I wish I could uh, do those types of things like travel. Like, I haven't been to Europe. That's like one thing on my bucket list. Like definitely something I want to do. I want to do. So I'm really jealous right now. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, So let's get right into our topics today. Uh, I guess the first thing that we want to talk about is uh, you mentioned that you're going to UNT uh, to study special education, correct? Mm -hmm. So um, can you talk more about why you chose to uh, major in this and what led up to that decision? I think mainly I chose that path just because I feel like it's a part of education that I feel like is extreme, like people 
extremely undervalue it. And especially now in Plano, there's a lot more students and schools that require special education teachers that, and there's so much of a stigma around autism and that spectrum that I feel like there needs to be a lot more positive information about it and like correct information about it. Um, that, and I definitely think that, and I feel like this is where a lot of people with disabilities is that they're a lot more patient and, and I consider myself to be a pretty patient person and I just enjoy helping people and wanting to start a good cause, I guess. That's the best I could describe it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, re- really interesting. Yeah, like I, like personally, I was under the special ed program in Plano East because uh, before I was under 504 and they didn't give me enough services to cover the extent of uh, how bad my eyes were. So I transitioned to uh, under the special ed umbrella and the people there were super amazing. So uh, I think it's a really valuable field to be in, especially to provide for uh, uh, the kids at high school and it's a really important field, I feel like. And uh, going into college, like that's like it's summer right now, and we're about to go to college, you and I. And I was interested, like, uh, how is your college transition so far in terms of preparing for college? So for me, preparing for college was most difficult just because I was constantly afraid, like, oh, am I missing something? Did I forget a deadline? Did I forget etc 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 so I think the most important part was to reach out try to figure out who you can contact and who you can talk to about things you need and questions you have and I think a lot of people are are scared to ask questions because they think oh I'm going to be annoying or oh I'm going to be that one student who's asking all these stupid questions but the thing is is that colleges want you at their school. So they want you to ask questions. They want you to find resources to help you transition at their school. Um, For me, the hardest bit was trying to figure out what I need for myself for disability-wise for classes. So whether it be extra time on tests or a larger print or a special testing room, the staff at UNT are actually really nice and they were really helpful throughout the whole process. So they were they would always check in on me, but I was the one who had to start contacting them in the first place. Because if you don't contact the administrator, administration or the ODA, mm-hmm. then they won't know like that they need to contact you or to talk with you. Yeah, like I remember you and I, we were on the UNT tour that our teachers for the blind and impaired organized and also our orientation mobility people organized. And when I visited UNT, their disability office was really awesome. And for example, when we were there, like they had actually visually impaired or blind people uh, giving the tour, which was really interesting. And Mm -hmm. uh, also like they had a lot, all the, uh, certain amenities that we need and also you brought up something where you said to get um, certain accommodations to uh, you know go to college and stuff for me personally the 
hardest thing that I had to do so far is uh, it's more like the dorm situation because I would be moving in with a roommate. But right now, my parents are pressuring me saying like, you know, with all the coronavirus thing, you better get your own dorm room. And also like, uh, uh, so personally, I'm about to go to Texas Tech to study architect architecture in the honors uh, college. And, and within the honors hall, they have uh, separate rooms that are dedicated for disabled people. So um, since not a lot of honor students ha are like disabled or visually impaired or like have hearing difficulties, uh, a lot of a lot of times, like a lot of those rooms are filled up by normal people, which I think is not fair. And uh, yeah. I, I, I'm trying really hard to contact the housing people, but you know, you know, with uh, sometimes like they don't get back to you as fast as you want them to, and it's a little bit press pressing right now since we're really fast approaching to move-in day and I think move-in day is a really uh, fun thing don't you think I, yeah I definitely think so I'm really sorry that happened to you I feel like that's kind of like when people park in disabled parking lots because nobody is parked there it's like it's not meant for you so why are you why are you in a housing unit that's not made for you specifically yeah. i guess yeah that's Especially yeah go oh, ahead. Sorry? oh so yeah it's kind of like a pet peeve of mine <laughs> i'm really sorry that sucks yeah i mean it is what it is i wouldn't say like i've already talked to my roommate he's not a bad guy like not at all he's he's actually pretty good like amazing guy but i it's just like you know the current circumstances are not ideal so like when you can get your own single room like <laughs> you better take advantage of it <laughs> it's like that sort of yeah. thing and um like definitely going to college is a huge step up i feel like uh some other people may say that it's just like a continuation of your education which i definitely agree with but there are like a lot of different other nuanced things that come with being at college and uh what do you think some of those things are um, I forgot where I heard this, but I think somebody mentioned that college was basically preparing you for adulthood, which I definitely agree with. And I feel like when people say it's like an extension of education, people assume it's like high school, but more. But I feel like it's completely different than what high school is, just because you're really like thrown into having to fend for yourself, I guess. Like, yes, there's going to be people who are going to help you along the way. You're going to have your parents, the administration, teachers, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a time where I feel like you have to learn how to be self-advocate for yourself because if you don't, then nobody will for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, my parents always tell me, uh, like, initially when I got you know, my eyes went bad. Like they said, you, you have to advocate for yourself. And I feel like for everybody, once they go to college, even normally sighted people, they have to advocate for themselves also because, and, and that really compounds to like us 
like visually impaired people we have to advocate advocate for ourselves now so oh, yeah <laughs> and like college there's definitely a lot more freedom out there and uh, way more temptations i guess and that's why um i've been really uh, mindful and i've put in a lot of thought into how i time manage my stuff in terms of class uh, and other stuff because I know that from my experience from high school, uh, a lot of times I spend way more time on certain stuff. And, we, and this is like another topic we can go to later on in this podcast. But definitely when I was um, trying to find some student organizations to join, I was really mindful of my eye condition and how much I can do because classwork always comes first to me personally. And uh, I mean, student organizations are really important too. So what are some student organizations that you plan on joining? Um, there's actually a blind and visually impaired student organization they have at UNT that, and they have a GSA that I'm planning to join. So I'm really excited. I feel like college is also a place where it's a lot more inclusive and there's a lot, like way more organizations for the most niche groups, whether or not you're disabled or you just want to find a student organization that you want to join, which is really helpful if you don't want to feel mm -hmm. isolated. Yeah, that's, I, I feel really jealous again because at Texas Tech, they don't have a student organization that's for the visually impaired, I think. Uh, yeah, but they definitely have a really good disabled center uh, for people to go to. And I think like definitely, definitely um, uh, during high school, there was a lot of the more mental side. Like obviously there's the academic side that comes with high school, but also for uh, us specifically, also dealing with the mental side was also, you know, pretty hard for me at least and i could only imagine doing you know uh managing your mental health in college could be another uh hurdle that you might do or maybe like you're one of those special cases you just like breeze through it so what do you think <laughs> honestly i wish i was one of those special cases that you could just breeze through things um i think yeah mental health is super important just for anyone in general especially if you have a disability just because there's so much and it's a lot better now but sometimes people don't even realizing like or some people people don't even realize that what they are saying is kind of discriminatory or what they're doing is kind of like condescending towards people with disabilities mm -hmm. so i feel like once again learning who to reach out to where to reach out to and how and I know that's really hard because personally I've always had a trouble with advocating for myself and what I need because I always thought that I would be considered selfish for going out like going out and being like hey I need this specific thing but the thing is I don't think that's selfish of a person to mm -hmm. go out and get things that they legitimately need in order to be on the same playing field of a person that's able exactly this is like another topic we can go into later on in the podcast with the high school topic so let's transition to our second topic which is um a person born with blindness versus someone 
that has you know, visual impairment later in life, which is my case. So um, to start off, I'll, I'll start off first. So I became visually impaired uh, during 11th grade. Uh, it was, I remember around, it was like one week before uh, midterm exams. And then I was sitting in the back of uh, my computer science class. And then when I looked forward, I couldn't see anything on the board. So I thought that was kind of weird. And when I looked down at the, at the computer, I couldn't see the cursor. So I knew immediately something was wrong with my eyes. And the week during midterm exams, uh, the first day of exams, I remember I was sitting in my English, English class uh, about to take my exams. And when I looked up to the clock to try to see what time it is, I couldn't see the, where the clock was or where it was supposed to be. And that was a huge red flag. So I just ran to um, my IB coordinator's office and told her like, something's really wrong with my eyesight. I'm not sure if I can take the exams now. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And like, you know, after that, it was really like a roller coaster from there. And to give more context of what kind of vision, visual impairment I have, I have something called Lieber's hereditary optic neuropathy. So basically I have uh, a deficiency in the central vision on my eyes, in both of my eyes. So what happens is uh, one of your eyes gets worse in the middle and then later on it gets bilateral to your other eyes. So with this condition, uh, it's basically a degenerative optic nerve i would say like your optic there's like certain genes inside your optic nerve and basically there were certain uh deficient genes so that's basically what i have and you know like you don't have to you know say what kind of condition you have if you're not comfortable but can you give yeah. us more context of uh what you have and uh being born with blindness from uh, from birth i guess yeah, so I don't mind talking about my disability. So I have two. I have optic nerve hypoplasia, which basically just means that my optic nerves didn't fully develop. And then I have nystagmus, which basically means that my eyes are constantly doing this weird shaky thingy and they can't focus. I have a vision of 2200, so that makes me um, considered legally blind. And I've always been blind, like ever since I was born, but it wasn't really something that I thought of as a kid, especially throughout elementary school. I always thought that's just how people saw. And when I found out like, oh yeah, I am legally blind. I was kind of taken aback because I was like, oh, so people can see faces well, or they can mm -hmm. read the board really easily and they don't have to be like face to face looking at it. And I guess looking back, yeah, it kind of makes sense with how, like, I would literally have paper pressed to my face mm. to read things and other students didn't, but um, it's just something that I learned to adapt with, and I guess because it's a lot different because it's something that I was born with, so I at least got the experience of, like, having it throughout my whole life instead of being thrown into losing my vision, which I think is in a really weird way i feel like i'm really lucky yeah i mean i'm a living embodiment of that right now 
Um, I yeah. per, this topic is super interesting to me because I've always wondered, like being born with blindness, or like you know any person being born with a disability, and how that's like. Like I've tried to like do you know weird thought experiments through my head. Like, what if I was born with blindness? Like, how would other kids treat me? Like, I know that uh, obviously. When you're younger, your mind's not fully formed, so you wouldn't notice, you know, what you notice now. Like I'm 18, so kids won't notice the, I guess, the impurities of the world. So maybe that kind of extends towards uh, having disability. Like they don't really mind it to some extent. Do you feel like that? Um, I think. For me personally, students definitely did mind it, but in a way because I just don't think they understood me or my disability, so they would always say stuff like, um, so I always got accommodations for classes and schoolwork uh, my whole life, so in the past I used to have a CCTV, which is this (laughs) giant screen, (laughs) and at the time it was like huge I had to lug around this giant cart just to carry it to different places and I have to like push it around the hallways and it basically you put a paper down or an assignment down or a book on this little tray thingy and it goes under this screen and you can see everything enlarged on this giant screen and it was always an eyesore that and I had a dome and a lot of different objects that helped me throughout elementary school but and then I had extra time on exams and assignments so for kids to look at that obviously they're without understanding my disability like I'm visually impaired they assume like that's not fair how come she gets all this extra time and this these cool gadgets and I don't so a lot of that was they just got mad at me because I got like extra time on assignments or extra time on tests, which I understand why they would, but I feel like it's, I feel like Mm -hmm. it was probably important for Mm -hmm. them to get informed because at the time I was a kid too. So it's not like I could go up to them and be like, Oh yeah, I have optic nerve hypoplasia, yada, 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 because I didn't even fully understand Mm. my own eyesight at that time. I feel like if I could have had somebody maybe explain it to them and to the class, then it would have been a lot better besides like all the bullying just because of that or my vision. That's kind of interesting because I've also like wondered, like kids might be even more brutal on you since they're not as understanding of like your disability uh, i've like you know personally i've you know babysit some uh children and then they can be brutal <laughs> and uh, quite insensitive <laughs> yeah. at some time so uh that's kind of interesting how you mentioned like um it, it's like kind of tough for them to understand since it really goes back to like how their minds are not fully formed and if something's like out of the ordinary they're like it's really easy for them to cherry pick it and then say that oh why why are you different from us and i don't know that's kind of interesting because is there more like a how would i say it like a 
group mentality, like in like more like you're not really like us type of group think, uh, or is that more like towards uh, later like in high school where people are like uh, saying like, oh, why are you not like us? You know, why are you like have a disability? Well, what do you feel like? Is it more like a younger age that's more apparent, or is it more like subtle? I feel like when you're in elementary school, you don't have a filter. Yeah. Like children just don't have a filter at all. They'll say what they'll have to say, and they're not afraid to talk about it. So it's a lot more apparent in elementary school, which is understandable once again because it's something out of the norm, and they haven't experienced something like that before. So once again, I don't really blame them. Um, but in high school and middle school, I had a lot of the similar. I had a lot of similar problems with people going like, oh, you don't deserve um, all those accommodations. I've even had a kid go up to me and be like, the only reason why you have good grades is because teachers feel bad for you because you're blind, which isn't true. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, no, I worked hard for my grades, thanks. (laughs) But I think (laughs) what really helped me throughout um, high school was surrounding myself with the right friend group. Like, Like, I had to remove a lot of people um, just because they weren't really the healthiest for me at the time and surrounding myself with people who are willing to be patient with me and understand like where I'm coming from and try to understand my vision and who are willing to help me when mm-hmm. I need them. So I think yeah, that helped like, a lot. Okay, let's just <laughs> go right into high school, like the topic of high school, since we're talking about high school either way. Uh, um, yeah, like <laughs> I've been thinking like, why people are more understanding like you know obviously their minds are more developed <laughs> they're not like a chimp but uh <laughs> yeah like i feel like once you hit adolescence everybody's struggling with identity it's just like i feel like if you had a disability growing up it's more like an extended version of finding who you are since you're so different from uh, other people and since other people are also struggling with finding who they are and uh, what the what type of friend groups that they really want to click with in high school, and maybe that's why it's way more um, it, it's way more easy to uh, look past the disability during uh, at an older age or during high school. Don't you th- don't you feel the same way? I think so, yeah, totally. I think it's because everybody's now in the same boat of um, self-identity, trying to figure out who they are, who they want to hang out with, what their specific niche is. So everybody's kind of just lost in high school, which I feel like can lead to more people um, singling people out with disabilities. But personally, I just tried to cut those types of people out of my life or at least try not to interact with them as much especially since they're still going to be there like no matter where you go somebody's going to be ableist someone's going to discriminate you for your disability no matter what you do or who you hang out with it's gonna happen but just like trying not to spend more time with those people than you have to yeah, i be- feel like because mm-hmm. like don't get it wrong like all that 
discrimination still happened in high school, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. But the fact that I had such an amazing friend group helped so, mm. so much. <laughs> like, yeah, they're great people, and I'm so lucky yeah, I got to meet them. Yeah, definitely having a good support system is really important. That's uh, one of the things that. Mm-hmm. Was really necessary for me, especially being blind during eleventh grade, uh, to have. That's when、yeah. you really know who your friends are and who are not your friends because,、um, you know, not like one of them anymore, and it, it really shows that who really care about you. And along the way, I've met like so many amazing people, and I, I, like they said, they say they always say that I've taught them a lot, but I feel like. I've learned from them a lot too, like showing the amount of、um, care and the amount of, you know,、uh, willing to spend their time to help me on different stuff. And this is like,、uh, this is like specifically like teachers. Like they have been really nice to me. I feel like same here. Yeah, and then like <laughs> let's go back to the thing that you said about how、um, other people, like whenever they see that. You get more time on tests, and how you get certain accommodation, how it's not fair to them. Like, let's try to explore more on that topic because I think that's kind of interesting. Like, I've definitely gotten that same kind of、uh, feeling towards me, and、uh, I don't really mind it. I don't know, but maybe as I as like I have more time with my disability, maybe it's going to be a factor down the road, but. Um, can you like tell us more about what's it like?、Mm-hmm. So that was actually、um, one of the main reasons why it's really hard for me to advocate for myself. And it got to the point where my、um, VI counselor had to be like, "Okay, every single day you're going to have to have this calendar, and you're going to write down every single time you ask for some help." For your visual impairment, and you have to ask at least one thing every single week, is because a lot of students would be like, "Oh, you like, why do you get extra time? That's so unfair. The only reason why you're passing this class is because you get X, Y, and Z, or the only reason why you're doing okay in this course is because people feel bad for you because you're blind." And I feel like that's just because. They don't understand that accommodations are there to put people with disabilities on the same playing field as people who don't、mm-hmm. have disabilities or as able-bodied people. So, me getting accommodations for classes or just in gen- like life in general, whether it be like、um, being allowed to ride the dart without having to pay, is because I can't drive. <laughs> so, how else am I supposed to get around? You know, I'm not going to be Ubering everywhere. That's kind of expensive and bad for the environment. <laughs> But it's just understanding that accommodations aren't just a special treatment that you get. Like, oh, congratulations, you're blind. Therefore, you get all these like cool things and like like special treatment, which you kind of do. But it's just to put you on the same playing field. As people who don't have a disability, whether it be in school or in real life, that's why they have like disability benefits or like 
you know, retirement money. Mm -hmm. It's just to put you on the same field as people who can work or people who have bodies that can do specific things that yours can't. Yeah, like, I also feel that, like, the same way. I mean, uh, when I initially got... um, when I was initially visually impaired, I definitely really, I would say, enjoy the amount of attention I got. But then, like, as time went on, <laughs> it was like that type, that sort of attention was kind of, um, like, volatile to some extent because uh, it constantly reminds that you're, uh, you have to, like, do certain things stuff that was easy uh you know it's going to take way more time now and that constant reminder is mm-hmm. like like for me personally like really uh mentally draining so that's why i, I often like resort to really um de-stressure de-stress activities that are not really productive and that was like one of the main hurdles that i had to get across during high school and it, it was just like uh when people like give you oh like there's that thing where like people want to put you on a pedestal and say that um like let's say you accomplished something really amazing or you you got really good grades on a certain assignment and they would say like wow you're so good like wow like as a blind person you're doing so good right oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if you put a blind person on a pedestal and congratulate them for their efforts, it really undermines the person behind the condition or behind the disability, because you're saying that, wow, as a blind person, you're doing this thing instead of saying like, your ability let you to do that specific thing or accomplish a certain thing and you happen to be blind. And that thing, like uh, the thing that I just said there was a point that one of my blind friends made and I thought it was really powerful. And uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like for me personally, you can come off as kind of condescending, like, does that make sense kind of like when people act like oh my god good job like you did so great like it I know they mean well but personally it comes off as condescending like you can congratulate your blind friends or like people with disabilities for doing something amazing but don't say like oh for a blind person that's Mm -hmm. amazing or like well you're blind and you can draw that so like that's like amazing it's just like yeah like yeah I've I, yeah. I would say like we have really great sensors in terms of like understanding the if people are meaning well with their <laughs> with their uh, uh, congratulations because like there's a sensor going off and you're <laughs> like uh, saying what you say and then like you're meaning another thing like we really know <laughs> yeah, yeah so that really goes into um, the second point that I want to talk about in this topic is oftentimes I when during uh, during high school I struggle with being independent and also being dependent at certain times and drawing that fine line is really difficult for me because all the time I really want to be independent and go back to uh, what my 
life was before I was visually impaired. But at the same time, if I wasn't dependent on certain services that the school offered, or even ask someone, like as simple as ask ask someone for help on certain things, I wouldn't be as efficient in terms of uh, doing certain stuff. So, um, what's your take on this? Like being independent versus dependent in certain periods of time. Um, I definitely think there is a huge fine line, but. Personally, I've always had struggle being um, dependent as well. Basically, just like putting, because I'm, I consider myself to be a really prideful person, and that can really bite me in the butt. <laughs> a lot of the times, I'm like, oh, I can see enough to do X, Y, and Z, or like, oh, well, I don't really need that specific accommodation when in reality I did or I do. But I think the main thing with balancing like independence and dependence is, I think my sister told me this, is that people around, so describe like your help or like the help around you or the people around you as crutches and not wheelchairs. So while they'll help you move around and get places that you need to go to, you still are the one who has to support yourself up on those crutches. Like you can't slack, even if they'll help support you up. You're still the one who has to move those crutches and move around to get where you need to. Whereas in a wheelchair, you're putting all of your weight onto the wheelchair. So you're putting all your weight onto the people around you. Yeah, that that's really powerful kind of right there. I really like that uh, illustration that you got. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I'm like processing, processing it at real time right now. <laughs> and now that I think more about it, yeah, it's really true. And I think one of the most important lessons that I learned uh, after being visually impaired is... Um, Try to appreciate the people around you because I know that like being, you know, you, I'm like 18 going on to 19. Like you really want to be independent and then you, ha you really want to express your own voice or like everybody like at this age really wants to be famous or notable for some sort of thing. And often we disregard mm -hmm. the voices around us that are really supporting us. And I feel like one big lessons, one big lesson that I learned was to listen more instead of uh, speaking more. And uh, just listening to the people around me uh, and also appreciating what they do has really uh, opened my eyes to how, you know, the world isn't as bad as it is. It's actually really positive. And um, yeah. So what do you think? <laughs> no, I think that's like really important. Well, I think especially because um, living with a disability, it's not easy for people, for the people around you. But the fact that your support group loves you so much that they are willing to help you I think is something that I feel like 
a lot of people with disabilities will appreciate so much. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like, support groups are really important because, like, uh, like they're, like, if we were, like, breathing, I, I, this is, like, a really terrible example, but if you were breathing through, like, a mask, they would be, like, the oxygen tank helping you uh that's terrible <laughs> but uh honestly though like support groups are really important for us having uh a disability and also like reaching out to other people who also are experiencing the the same thing and like this podcast especially is for is also for uh the people out there like they might be uh in a position where they think they're the only one or like because often the case like you don't really see people walking around with canes, right? <laughs> or like you, you, <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't see like visually impaired people. Like you, you can't really see them because like they're visually impaired and they don't really look like they're blind. Blind. They're not wearing sunglasses inside a room, right? And <laughs> yeah, I think. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like that just hit something <laughs> in me. I don't know what, but. Um, I feel like people expect like blindness to just be like you can only see black or you don't see anything at all when it's so much more than that. It's a huge spectrum of sight and a person can it, like people with the same disability. So like say somebody else has high, like optic nerve hypoplasia can still see the world so much more differently than I can. They could have worse vision than me. They could have better vision than me. And they could experience shapes, colors, and sight completely different than me or any other person with the same disability. And so I feel like a lot of people being like, not being able to notice when people are blind is because they expect all blind people or visually impaired people to be like walking around with a cane with sunglasses like knocking things around looking like lost and that's not the case I feel like visually impaired people learn directions a lot better than people who can see just because it's a necessity that they have to do yeah like I I would say like uh, some of the visually impaired people and blind people I've met have some of the most amazing spatial abilities. Like, it's it's even better than like normal people actually with sight. Like, they actually have really good spatial ability, and <laughs> that's why like I feel like it's really a it really hits me the the wrong way whenever people are like, oh, why don't you have sunglasses? Like, I mean, I know that like certain people with uh, another type of visual impairment may need those sunglasses when they go outside, like outside, uh, because the sun Mm -hmm. is too bright for them. But like, if you were to just say like, oh, why don't you have sunglasses? Like, obviously I wouldn't like, you know, say that you're doing a wrong thing there because I understand that you might be not educated on that. So that's why you may hold like some of the same uh public the general public opinions on blind people and especially like i guess like movies they really show like how they show blind people is like with a sunglass with sunglasses and that's really it's really adding towards like the stigma with blind people and how they're like represented Mm -hmm. it kind of 
plays on like the whole like helpless, lost, clueless kind of stereotype, which I feel like a lot of blind people are trying to separate themselves from. Because blind people aren't helpless yeah. or like clueless or dumb. They just need certain accommodations to mm-hmm. help them. Yeah, I like I hope that like this podcast can like help people like who don't have like a vision impairment to like understand more what's behind uh our condition and like the person behind the visual impairment because like there's a lot that goes into um i guess like day-to-day managing uh the the thoughts that go through your head and sometimes like i often like personally i i often like really assume what people think of me well it's not true but i really assume that assume them because like i'm walking with a cane around each day and i I would be like oh that person's looking at me and like that's really it's really taxing so uh, i hope that i wouldn't be doing this 24 7 but it's like it's kind of like the thing that you know it's like really unfortunate that we have to do so um yeah is there like anything else that you want to you know interject or like put in i think that just normalizing things like canes or even things like not specific to like visual disabilities but like hearing aids or cochlear implants or stimming toys etc etc anything that deals with a disability just like normalizing it and try to get people to understand it more because I feel like a lot of um, a lot of the times when people look at canes, it's not something that they're used to. But I feel like if and especially when like your kids, you can be like some people use a cane and that's OK. That's normal. That's just what they use to help them get around places like some people use glasses and that's normalized because they help that helps them read or get around places. So normalizing things like wheelchairs, stimming toys, cochlear implants, and canes, or anything that people need to use for their disability or mental health, I feel like, would help so so much. And especially with younger kids who probably haven't experienced people with disabilities. Yeah, that really goes back to, like, you know, educating the general public about these stuff, because, like, uh, really, I feel like the general public is really not educated in terms of what really goes on behind like our thoughts and uh, the emotions that are really we need to manage and uh, and how we look at the world and that like this like not educating the general public has led to like really really staggering t- uh, really staggering statistics where you see. Uh, 70% unemployment rate for uh, visually impaired and blind people, which is like a really sad reality. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. I guess the root of the problem goes back to like not um, <laughs> not doing enough, uh, how do you say, a public service announcement <laughs> to like the general public. So, um, <laughs> so with that, I feel like, we've reached a stopping point of this podcast and it's great to have you on. Like, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and we hit a lot of points that I was really interested about. Oh, thank you for having me. It was really interesting to learn.
about new disability and actually having a person start a podcast for people with visual disabilities. I feel like it's so important to have a voice. Yeah. Thank you. So, thank All you right. So much. That's going to be a wrap. <laughs>